Howdy, and welcome to episode 12 of Timberwolves Tip to Tap. That's tip as in tip off for the Minnesota Timberwolves and tap as in the best the Twin Cities craft beer scene has to offer. I'm Dan Hilton, frontman for indie rock bands, Southern Resident Killer Whales and Sender's Dream. And I'm Josh Dye, president and founder of the Convene Training and Resilience Community. And we are excited that you are joining us for the only podcast in the world to focus specifically on the world-class Twin Cities craft beer scene and the stay after class and rapidly improving Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm. All right. Now we are going to make like a house strain of lactobacillus and hibiscus and go right into the beer. Josh, what brewery are we sampling and talking about today? Today is Fair State Brewing Cooperative. Little background on Fair State. They're located in Northeast Minneapolis at 2506 Central Avenue, Northeast along that corridor of just excellent restaurants and culture. You can get a wide variety of food in the area that you can take into Fair State while drinking their delicious beer. Some interesting notes on Fair State, Dan, is they are the first unionized microbrewery in the United States. What happened is that their employees banded together and asked Fair State to voluntarily recognize their union. And Fair State, after consulting with their board, quickly agreed. And I wanted to share some comments from staff of Fair State about sort of some of their reasoning for unionizing and uh, kind of what was going on at the time because this is, you know, a microbrewery and microbreweries aren't really known for unionizing. So, and if, and if, if you choose as a listener to take this as like a subtweet to another brewery locally, you can do so, but uh, go on. Josh. Yeah. So Rose, the lab manager said, craft brewing can be an exploitive industry, but Fair State has always prioritized employee welfare. By voluntarily recognizing the union, Fair State affirms that all brewery workers deserve a safe workplace where their voices are heard. Next chance you get, raise a fine pilsner to celebrate all the good folks making your beer. And Keegan, a bartender said, we aren't starting a union because Fair State is a bad place to work but because it is a great place to work and we don't want that to change. Now, Fair State wants to note that although they're the first microbrewery in the United States to unionize, they'd also like to recognize three craft beer union pioneers, Shells in New Ulm, Minnesota, Headless Mumby, that sounds interesting, in Olympia, in Olympia, Washington, and Anchor Brewing in San Francisco, who also have uh, unions among their staff. So Dan, do you have an experience at Fair State that you would like to share or any comments you want to make on the unionizing of Fair State employees? Uh, just the, the union thing is interesting. I think the shells, I didn't know that. I think that's interesting because they really, having attempted when my, when my older daughter Lucy was one, we attempted the brewery tour. <laughs> but promptly left after the first room when we heard that there was a, a 10 minute film that was part of the tour. But anyway, it just, you know, year old, I'm sure you understand. Um, but it seemed like it was very, very much into the, the history and the family owned or whatever. And sometimes you hear like family owned and then like union is sort of like a very different sort of angle. So that's cool to know that they went that direction too. Uh, as far as my experience at fair state. So I haven't uh, made it over there a ton, but I do know is uh, the very first, I believe, uh, Northeast Brewery date night I had with my wife. 
Um, we went to the Thai restaurant, Senlek, I think is how you say it, um, where they were serving Fair State. And then they actually let us know that, oh, yeah, there's this brewery a couple blocks to the south. And so then afterwards, we went in into Fair State and actually in, enjoyed our time there. They're kind of more of a little bit more of a and I actually haven't I you tell me, Josh, if you have been over there, but. When I was there last, it wasn't. It was more like a storefront as opposed to a place where there's like a an outdoor patio, or is that they've changed? had an outdoor patio for quite a while in the okay. back. They have some oh, okay. uh, nice sitting area. It's a nice patio, yeah. It's a a nice feature of Fair State. Great. So I can't wait till and then maybe it's the next episode when we start recording these episodes on the premises. We can actually tell you in real time whether we are sitting on a patio or in the interior of a brewery. Um, so that'll be really cool. So right now I'm just having to go from sort of afar and um, enjoying. Uh, well, you go ahead and talk about some of the beers and then I'll talk about the, the one that I am enjoying right now. Yeah. And before I dig fully into the beer, I want to highlight one other thing about Fair State's uh, structure. So they're unique in that they're the first microbrewery that uh, is unionized and they're uh, they became the first cooperatively owned brewery in Minnesota and the third in the country. So it's a, their ownership structure is a cooperative. So you or me or anybody could actually become a cooperative member of the Fair State Brewing and you get some discounts. So similar to how you could become a cooperative member of like, you know, the Wedge or it's kind of common, more common among grocery stores and food. Fair State uh, has done that with beer and uh, so that's another unique thing where their cooperative members get to sometimes participate in designing and visioning new beers and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. So if you really want to get involved in with your brewery, Fair State seems to be the place to go. But let's talk about the beer that people can drink. So Fair State, I remember, was originally known as the place you go to get a sour. We had all these other breweries kind of doing stuff that was more conventional, I guess you could say. Fair State was the place known as the place known that specializes in sours, but now they have a full featured lineup. It includes sours, lagers, hazy IPAs, stouts, double dry hopped IPAs, saisons, hefeweizens, and even a mixed fermentation table beer. And so- Do you, Dan, know, do what, you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah, the mixed fer fermentation table beer, they call it the Petty Cash. And it's a delightful combination of their aperitif inspired cocktail beers and their low ABV table beers spicy tart and citrusy so barrel aged table beer bottle conditioned with cocktail bitters so a table beer kind of equivalent to a session beer it sounds like correct yeah it's yeah, uh, just okay. a four percent abv the hops are columbus and strisselspalt mm. the malts are pilsner spelt and wheat it's only available in the tap room and again they have it uh, mixes in cocktail bitters Cool. Okay. Yeah, I, I think my my entry into the world of table beers or, or session beers is at a, a point at some point in the future that I can't see from where I'm at right now. <laughs> but it sounds like a more when typically uh, uh, most of the session beers I know of are are sort of the more standard um, standard varieties and not necessarily barrel aged stuff, which I normally think of as being like really heady and full of alcohol so that's interesting yeah so what are, what are you sampling and what have you learned in the process of sampling it well i am drinking the roselle which is a uh kettle sour um 
I think it's a fruity beer, very red. And uh, I, I learned this just a little bit that um, about what a kettle sour is. So it's it's using, um, oh, what is it? Uh, Bacillus uh, bacteria to like sort of to do the fermentation, which gives it sort of like a tang that's a little like... Uh, uh, an unsweetened yogurt where traditional, and this is, I had actually been wondering about this because the first couple mm -hmm. of sours I had ever tried were more sort of the, you know, the barnyard funk sort of thing, which yeah. was really interesting, but not for everybody. And I guess that this type of, I, I, um, maybe Josh, you can Google this quick and I'm not saying that word quite right, but for, for a kettle sour, it's a Bacillus bacillus strain yeah, of, let me like, look it up but anyway that 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 tends to i think be a little bit more it's tangy but it's not quite so for s some people off-putting i think and so you'll get that i know there's that um raspberry sour at prize that's along these lines and so you'll get that a lot but um this is really good it's it's super sort of fruity and carbonated and uh sharp taste it's a beautiful red color i actually posted a, a picture of my pre-game beer i was drinking last night uh, um on our twitter account so people could check that out and see what that actually looks like and yeah and you can buy these in six packs um at liquor stores throughout the area so the fair state roselle and if you haven't had sours or curious about it you get going in with a kettle sour something with a sort of a fruity angle is probably the way to get into it and i, th I think you'll not be displeased sort of think about like the tanginess the way uh what are those like the sour candies my kids are really into the mm. super sour jolly ranchers uh, I'm thinking more like the sour, I, I, sour patch kids, mm. that sort of thing. It's that sort of, it, that's as challenging, I think, as you're going to find a beer like this to be. So highly recommended. So I did look up your bacillus strain, Dan, and that's a rather complicated topic. Let me put it to you that way. Okay. Uh, so, but yeah, it's, uh, it's regularly consumed inadvertently through fermented foods at times. Uh, it's like a human probiotic. Uh, yeah, Dan, that, that that's that's a level of science that we don't get into on this podcast is what no. I would like to. <laughs> okay. uh, that's for our special members only. <laughs> All right. So we, break down, we will dig into and break down the bacillus strain. And so far we have yet to have a member, but if you contribute <laughs> enough money, we will research that topic and produce a podcast episode for you. On, <laughs> on demand research. Of, <laughs> right certain things. Yeah. So get on down to Fair State Brewing Cooperative and participate in their leadership structure. Congratulate their, their newly unionized staff and drink as much beer as your body can handle. <laughs> Dan, how is it that it seems like we, we rather, I don't want to, we kind of have a somewhat regular schedule of doing this podcast, but it often happens to just by happenstance happen after epic Anthony Edwards games. You know, we've had so many and an, a good chunk of these podcasts have come after Anthony Edwards coming out party style of games, which happened last night against the Memphis Grizzlies where he scored 42 points on 17 to 22 shooting 
and eight of nine three-point shots. This means, Dan, that we are transitioning into Timberwolves talk. And let's get into our first segment, hot or cold, on a scale of one to 10, what's your overall excitement level of the Minnesota Timberwolves today? Well, people are losing their minds, Josh, and they're probably going to be surprised to hear that my rating is staying the same as last time, which is an eight, because Mm. I I think what I'm learning about this new segment is that I, I really am taking, as I try to in most instances, the long view, and that's not shifting. There's been nothing particular new that's alarming that's come on the scene and the sort of underpinnings of the team uh, that I'm getting excited about um, are remaining the same for sure. That was uh, a super exciting night. Um, but do remember that it came in the course of a loss and kind of understanding mm-hmm. this team, understanding how to get stops, even while they give us a tantalizing picture into what can be with their uh, young core Um, I can't really, I can't knock it up a level, but neither will I take anything away from my eight. How about you, Josh? Where are you at on a temperature of zero to 10? You know, I last time was at a nine and I am staying at a nine as well. This team is on uh, two straight losses, very competitive in both games. You know, they were competitive against the Pelicans in the game where Zion was a absolute monster and Lonzo ball shot eight of 17 from three. And then of course they were competitive in the Memphis Grizzlies game. Obviously I was super pumped about ants night last night, but I feel like we've kind of seen this in him and he just took it to another level from an efficiency standpoint. And it, uh, the, the box, the box score as a whole looked really good but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming from Anthony Edwards. Like that's, you know, I didn't expect it to be quite any game to be quite that good, but it's along the progression of what you would hope to see from a guy who has flashed 40 point games and has been kind of on a tear since the all-star break. Yeah. And that post pre post all-star break split for him is really, really the thing that we we need to focus on when we're thinking about his potential, because he, he shot, I mean, it really is just a night and day, the inefficiency of the start of the year. He's actually shooting over 35% from three since the all-star break on ridiculous volume. Uh, so yeah, there is a lot. I mean, look, we didn't change, but our excitement level was eight out of 10 and nine out of 10. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting future we're looking at um, and we'll maybe leave it at that and head to our next. Well, oh, I, yeah, do yeah. Want, I do want to say one more thing on that, Dan, yeah. is that had they won one of the last two games, hmm. I'm, I might've bumped it up by a half point or so. But one thing that one way that I look at the Timberwolves right now is if, if it is truly your style to say we are going to outscore other teams, well then you better outscore them. Mm. You know, losing 139 to 135 in regulation is kind of like, okay, if you're going to have a philosophy of outscoring teams, then you better find a way to do it in winnable games because Memphis is a very solid team and they've got some, you know, solid pieces, but they're not exactly the first team that comes to my mind when I think of just like stunning offense. There's a school of thought that says that if you lose – by any score, 
you did not outscore your <laughs> That is the school of thought. All right, Dan. On well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go one more one more uh, thing on this yeah. uh, on this topic. It, in terms of us not getting more excited, less excited, any concern over the last two games, which, as you said, were competitive losses, but in both of them saw kind of a fade down the stretch, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, in a way that is a little consistent with what we had been seeing there for a while, which was a the best fourth quarter team in the league. We were the best fourth quarter team in the league for about eight straight games. And in the New Orleans game, it was a 10 point lead with what, like four and a half left, five left. Mm-hmm. And in the yeah, game four, last night, we, it was four minutes, 40 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. We came storming back with the, uh, the final cat substitution to actually take a lead. Uh, and then could not close it out. And any concerns about sort of habits down the stretch? I will say, and this will this will segue actually. Well, I'll let you talk because my point is going to segue into the freak out our next segment. So yeah. So enough with the hot and cold segment. Let's go into the freak out, Dan. What are your greatest concerns with this team right now? Well, so to the point we were just talking about, it it is the consistency on the the defense so the fact that in those utah games as a high water mark when the team is highly motivated and playing that swarming defense that we have seen a uh tantalizing glimpses of sort of a manic just racing after closing out swarming uh after the ball not being able to see that consistently and then seeing in the last couple of games, like, okay, that's gone again. And so, and this has been a thing that has actually kind of been, as we say that cat has gotten better at defense over his career. We've seen tantalizing glimpses from cat where it's like, he knows what he's doing. He's there, he's making an impact. And then it's just gone. And I actually, I don't think of, too many other players where that is the case or too many other teams where that's the case where it's like they show that they really know what they're doing and then it's gone. Chalk it up to youth. Certainly chalk it up to youth. We're a very, very young team, but it does seem to be something that has been consistent through regimes, through switch of player personnel for the last, you know, well, <laughs> since the early Wiggins days, uh, but I guess I, I I end up just honestly wondering, is it the inability to be consistent on defense? Is it about the collection of individuals that we put together? Is it a cultural thing that transcends regimes where it's just like, oh, yeah, this is Minnesota where consistent defense goes to die? <laughs> it's hard, though, sometimes, isn't it, to mm-hmm. not believe that there isn't something sort of endemic about the franchise that goes beyond your ability to change. It's like, you can only, you can change like every single player on the team over the course of two years. And like yet some of these same traits remain. And that's that, that that for me is the biggest concern and sort of the freak out. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Just just on, on the, on the defense side of things, you know, I, I, I want to give this team the benefit of the doubt in that given how, you know, no preseason, no summer league, no preseason, no need to rehash all that, that the part that gels first with this group is the offense. 
And then the part that maybe follows up is gelling on the defense, which will probably be seen. But we've seen the my point being they've shown that they know what to do. So it isn't about gelling Mm -hmm. so much as it is about the consistency or about understanding that, you know, how you need to bring it possession after possession. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I let's talk about uh, toss, toss aside best possible like lineup from like, will this team score? But if you're going to put our five best defensive players on the floor, both by and and go by eye test and hunch and what you know about the numbers. Who are the five you're you're rolling out there right now? All right, so you got Jared Vanderbilt at the center. You mm-hmm. got uh, Jade McDaniel's at the four. You got uh, probably, gosh, I'm gonna go with like Layman maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> at the three. Yeah, um, and I'm gonna. Go with a Kogi, and then uh, Ricky is your point guard. I'm assuming that you're not going positionless, and and you know because otherwise you might slip in Culver and have, you know, <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna run the point? So yeah, um, yeah, so yeah, and so I, they're they're never gonna do this, you know. But would you hate seeing those five? for like a stretch of, man, we're just getting shredded and it's like a hockey shift. And I know you're not a much of a hockey guy, nor am I, but it's like, you just have this shift change where you just let the dogs out on defense and it's, and you know, Vando can probably score. And if you get some steals, this is not a terrible fast break team. Jake Lehman can give you some shooting. Rubio can give you some shooting. Uh, You know, I was, yeah, yeah, those two can do some shoot. I was going to say, you are not going to, not only are you going to miss, you're not going to get any rebounds because every single defensive player on our offensive sets is going to be in the paint. (laughs) (laughs) Well, crowding for that rebound will surely come. You know, I I don't know. I, I would just be fascinated to see, a lineup like this because Vando can guard like four positions, you know, Vando can guard yeah. uh, four positions or so. McDaniels can guard three to four positions. Layman and, and you know, some of these guys could score too, but anyway, to me, it's like, you do have to build like a commitment to defense and uh, a culture. Cause there are players with some ability there. So, um, you know, we're not choosing to put them now, granted, that's like all on the floor, but we're not choosing to ever seems to me have three of our best defensive players on the floor at the same time, all that much. Yeah. Three I, think to four have, of them. I think we have seen what not having three capable offensive players, like really capable offensive yeah. players on the court looks like earlier this year. And it wasn't very pretty. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's, I guess, a concern about that. And I think that from Finch's standpoint, you, you know, we have seen this lineup, even with like D'Lo on the court, he was part of that swarming, yep. you know, effective defense. And so mm-hmm. I think from his standpoint, it's like, God, get your best players out there that you know can do this and what is it going to take to have them do that consistently and also in his fairness he need not bear the 20 years of baggage that we're (laughs) bringing to our considerations or even the considerations from er earlier this year he kind of made it clear when he came in that he's not beholden to whatever sort of judgments 
the organization may have passed on players. He wanted to evaluate them for himself. So I think a lot of the things uh, when, when you started wondering like, why is Finch doing this or why isn't this happening? Or why isn't that happening? He really is. I mean, he wants to win these games and he's trying to make that happen, but he's not unaware that like in the end equation, probably data points and reps are more important than W's to him right now, knowing yeah. what he's got with this group, who may never all come together on the court again, but he wants to have that evidence to say, like, who, what are the combinations that are working? What's the style of play that's working? And what's, what's, yeah, what, how are the, what is the evidence that's going to suggest who is going to be on this team next year and who's not? Yes, I'll do. I'll give you a couple of quick freakouts of mine. You know, my greatest greatest concerns won't dwell on any of them for too long. But sort of the lack of a cat killer instinct, particularly in last night's game. You've got some sort of careless turnovers down the stretch, and just I I don't feel confident when the ball is in his hands. I don't. Yeah, I don't have a high degree of confidence with the ball in his hands at the, you know, the last two minutes, but you have a pushback to this. I do. Well, I I think, I think that that is like a sample size of one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think even, and and even in that sample size of one, remember he came back and he promptly hit a three. He did. Yeah. And, and that, you know, and and Dane was making this point because I saw a lot of what I thought were very hot takes about like, time for a cat to get out of the way and let ant take over and crunch time was like, Oh, 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 you know, this is the, you know, this is the best shooting big man in the history of the game. And, and I, I know what you're saying about the killer instinct. So here's my pushback yeah. there. It's like, I don't mind. It, I, I, I would say that in terms of like the guy that's going to be like everyone crawl on my back, I get that he may not have that sort of, Correct. Assassin mentality. I don't think that means he doesn't, I don't think that means he's going to choke away three pointers at a rate greater than other people. He's still going to be your best offensive option in almost any situation. I'm still giving cat Mm -hmm. the shot in crunch time over anyone else on this team. The fact that D'Lo and Ant both are like really proven well i don't know ant proven over what amount of time but mm-hmm. two potentially really good closers around him is great because people are going to double and triple cat in crunch time and so he's got other options but man he is still 100 percent my first option for taking he's just the best shooter on the team yeah, well, so you know where a lot of the because I just rewatched that fourth, the third and fourth quarter before the podcast here from last night's game, and there was one person who was really feeding the cat's got a like cat and D'Lo, I got to step back uh, narrative. And you know who that was? Who was that? Jim Peterson. Mm. So what was fascinating? I was expecting just from what I had read on Twitter of. Uh, of that like, oh man, you know, like Ant just got buried and the offense bogged down, et cetera. And that really wasn't the case. You know, Cat comes in and hits a three, D'Lo hits a shot. People were making shots, we're getting zero stops on the other end. But then towards the last minute and a half or so of the game, Peterson was like, man, Ant, you know, Ant didn't really touch the ball much in those last four minutes and 40 seconds. 
And I was really like, Jim Peterson knows so much more about basketball than I do, right? <laughs> that the part where I think that Peterson may have been right and that that really stoked fans uh, ire a little bit is that maybe the game and the flow turns out a little bit differently if the offense had run through Ant. Like I get some shots were made, but there's sometimes just, just because a shot's made, yes, that's the outcome that you want, but in terms of like the flow, the timing, who then – the ball goes into whose hands the next time and the opportunities it creates. I could, I could sort of see it. And it was really two games in a row now where Ant was clearly the best player on the floor on our team. And we uh, didn't prioritize going through him down the stretch. And we happened to lose both of those games. So I will concede that it is something to watch. I know and and I haven't rewatched the game. I just sort of saw it in in real time, mm-hmm. and so I I don't know this for a fact, but I do know that Dane was talking about the two man game was working, the mm-hmm. Dilo and Cat two man game was working, and that the issue we lost was we couldn't get stops. Not that our offense stopped producing. That said, I think what I, I could imagine having happened, Dilo was interviewed after the game, and he was asked about you know how do you and actually it was Dane that asked the question, how do you make sh- look for opportunities to, for example, keep Ant involved if he's rolling, even while you and Kat have a thing that's going. And, and Delo spoke about that thing that you hear all the time about taking what the game gives you. And mm-hmm. so, you know, could it be that there were things that Memphis, you know, Memphis is a, is a, uh, um, they have their own, what do you call it? Um, uh, agency <laughs> they have their own agency in this could they not have been doing stuff that was kind of taking out and we know that there there are ways in which you can allow ant not to get sure. what he wants at this point in experience or whatever and it could be that they were getting opportunities that they rarely get you know with cat because again normally cat is his ridiculous numbers that he gets he's getting through constant double teams you know, through the course of a game. So like if he's, if he's having open shots, like I cannot fault those decisions, you know, th- those two turnovers without those two turnovers by cat, maybe the game isn't lost and the, all the concern is gone. And those are two passes. It's not like, I mean, maybe he choked, but I don't think he has a history of being like, Oh, cat just kind of folds up like a wilting flower and crunch. Yeah. I mean, he threw two bad passes. I do think this, this is, and maybe this is a, an extra, you know, extra credit freak out, but cats emotions getting the better of him. That's what I mean more on the killer instinct side. It's more of like an emotional, like unreliability. Well, I am, I'm right there with you on that. It's like, if anything, it's almost worse this year after he made his proclamation about being, you know, past this and he wanted to be a model for the younger players so that they understood mm-hmm. that there's nothing you could do about that call. And it's like, I'm after the life, you know, the difficulties I faced in my life, I'm so past, you know, getting overly emotional place. He might still be aside from Luca. He might be the worst. He actually might be the worst in the league in that Luca doesn't other players that get overly emotional. The only player I ever knew that let it affect their play like this was Boogie Cousins. 
Mm. But Cat is like, he'll take himself out of the next play. He'll throw a pass away. So I'm right with you on that. I mm-hmm. think in terms of, you know, him getting the ball in his hands, is he going to choke? Is he going to make a bad basketball play? I'm, I, I'm not concerned about that, but I, I feel like it's like to the point of like, get this guy in with like a counselor or something yeah. that can help. Like, let's put things in perspective here. Like, and, and, and what are the consequences of not, you know, not keeping those emotions in check? Because that's, it's hard to watch, isn't it? Like yes, we watch basketball because we want to, yeah. And it's like, not only is like, it leads to dumb fouls. It leads to dumb plays. It leads to probably the wolves getting and him certainly not getting calls because he's just pissing off the refs. So yeah. Yeah. I can add that. I can, I can see that and add that to my freak out. Okay. And, and one short one that I don't even think we need to discuss, although you're wel- welcome to comment on it. It's just something I want to toss on the radar of potential alpha dog battles moving forward that, you know, maybe not closing with ant when it makes sense to, you know, and that uh, not necessarily like moving forward, who does get to take the last shot? Who do we clear out for? I can see that as a potential concern. Yeah, I, I, I'm not so concerned about that. I, and, you know, I could be proven wrong. But I think it's it, it's one of those things like how come we never heard about these alpha dog battles with other – it's like I think we're so unfamiliar with having multiple good players on our team. We just don't <laughs> even know what to do about it. You know, yeah. <laughs> Warriors were hand-wringing because they didn't know other – Steph Curry or Clay Thompson was going to take the final shot. I, I think that given that there is not redundancy in their skill sets – like there's an amazing the, the the hot takes of the game last night. It's like you gotta get rid of D'Lo. I'm like, are you kidding me? I think the complementary nature of their respective skill sets mm-hmm. is is going to work really well. We're still dealing with not very many dang reps in a new system yep. and all of those things that we on this podcast talk about over and over. The lack of the, you know the lack of the preseason, the lack of this, everything, everything. Like, I think they're doing a remarkable job. Everybody is eating for the most part, you know, like D'Lo last night was not necessarily featured. He was finished with 22 and 14. He's Mm -hmm. doing fine. Yeah. I I think that this is going to sort itself out. And I also don't think that they, those guys have the personalities. I mean, Cat is a very deferential superstar mm-hmm. d low is a more deferential star than people think he is than he gets credit for i firmly yeah. believe that and ant i mean he's gonna I, I think he is has a personality where he's not going to that sort of thing that was happening there at the end of the fourth quarter I, if he doesn't if he needs to assert himself and get involved i'm sure he'll find a way to make that happen as he you know grows with this team so not not so much i mean i as I was just tossing, like, it, on, I was just tossing yeah. it on the radar of be on the lookout for this. And then my final mini freak out. Get that off my radar. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be good as we transition into our sponsor yeah. uh, in a moment. But oh, yeah. you know, get off my lawn versus get off my radar. But uh, <laughs> so starting lineup tweaking unnecessarily. So in our last episode, I was like, not starting D'Lo is nonsense, and it's just getting too cute, and we need to... And now he tweaked that, and you're pissed. Well, so my my point here is actually, like, why now? Huh. Because at this point, you're just... And I get that 
because of how the rotations work. It's not like that starting lineup is unfamiliar with playing with each other, but it is another adjustment. It is a different adjustment to switch Rubio out. And it's like, if you're, why not just ride that through to the end of the season and then make the change in the off season? You've just forced like another uh, change upon this team. And to me, it seemed, even though I want D'Lo in the starting lineup, and I always did from the very beginning of his return, you were rolling with it. It was working and tweaking it now just seems unnecessary to me. I, I, it, that's why we call this the freak out, right? But it's like, come on, just like ride it out to the end of the season and then go into the next one with the continuity of your, you know, whatever you're going to be. So to, to quote Lord of the Rings, <laughs> to paraphrase Lord of the Rings, nothing Coach Finch did in life was unnecessary. <laughs> So I want you to I want to push this on you and say imagine that you are you are Coach Finch and you're explaining why you, you were just asked the questions like you're kind of, you know Coach you were you were kind of rolling with what was happy it seemed to be a system that was working D'Lo was happy coming off the bench and it seems like to just sort of tweak at this point in the season are you really going to get any more understanding about what's going on with the team what like what what why make that change now what would you answer i'd say well gerson talked to me about our our odds of that top three pick <laughs> and yeah, you know we we were eight minutes away from a seven game win streak, and you know Kate Cunningham and Mosley and uh, some of these other college players, you know. So, so are you being facetious? Do you really Mosley think that really would? So you know what? I'm just gonna like toss this tweak in there, and uh... <laughs> yeah, no, the proper answer would have been, I my starting lineup change tweaking was unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> back Josh's talking point. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm being I'm being facetious, um, but yeah, I, I I mean I could see it's like well Delo's going to be the starter eventually, so we might as well do it now. Into your you know what you're saying, like get your data points or whatever. But to me, it's just like flawed thinking. Get your data points earlier then. I mean, maybe it, maybe it really was a little more scientific than we're giving it credit for. That we're yeah, considering I, it. Well, I think you give these guys more credit than you should. Well, I will say this, that there was that thing about the minutes restriction for D'Lo, and yeah. they have been pretty low. And there was some thought that a couple of his recent games where he was missing, that like he really was getting kind of zapped there at the end. He was losing his legs behind mm -hmm. his shot. And that maybe it was those things like, hey, we hit this many minutes or this many. I mean, I, you say I might be giving them more credit, but I mean, the amount of data science that is going into their sort of wellness and and their sort of the medical side of things there, you know, there's guys tracking this. They're like, you know, whether or not Finch, you know, completely abides by it, but there could mm -hmm. have been some moment where they're like, yep, when he hits this threshold, we want him out there. and Maybe there's even a thing where they're like, well, technically he doesn't hit it till you have four games left. And Finch is like, what are you doing, man? I need my data points. Let's at least get seven games in. Let's just see what happens. And, mm. and or maybe there was a something he saw in the game versus Memphis where he really thought he wanted. Or wanted against, uh, I was, against uh, the Pelicans. Oh, did he start in that game? 
No, he started in Memphis, but you're like, well, maybe say I saw something in the game against Memphis that I thought you were saying that compelled him. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, yes. I saw something in the potential matchup versus Memphis that made him want to bring D'Lo in there. I will say I was kind of excited, you know, this idea of Ricky getting run out there with Wancho and that Spanish national team connection. Um but I, I was excited to see the change. I've been wanting him in the starting lineup. And like, let, let's face another thing that Dane mentioned in his podcast last night is that the data still does not suggest that really Ricky and D, like they're coexisting more or less happily, but it's not winning basketball um, even at this point. And so like as much as Ant loves Ricky, it's just, it, it's kind of hard to see him being back next year Mm. if they find a way to I mean he's not from a basketball sense there's other things they could do with that 17 million that would benefit the team Uh, all right well let's get out of our concern Dan and move to hype it up time and what are you most excited about well it's got to be Ant I mean the fact that he's kind of taken to that point where rather than seeing flashes and talking about can you imagine what could happen if all the chips fall, right? Like we are seeing the, a very clear blueprint of something that looks like a guy that is on a, and rather than a, a most hoped for outcome, it seems like a more likely trajectory mm-hmm. that he is going to be a superstar and where uh, the comparison that was made is I guess post all-star break, his stats are like, kind of identical to Donovan Mitchell (laughs) like Mm. at the beginning of the year Donovan Mitchell as a far reaching outcome for him far down the line would have been incredible and now he's playing like all-star Donovan Mitchell in the last 30 games it's it seems like screw rookie of the year it seems like being a an all league player is his trajectory to lose at this point. And regarding the rookie of the year, because I'm obviously uh, also most excited about Ant, and it's one of those things where obviously I want him to win rookie of the year, but part of me is like, I hope he doesn't and it pisses Mm. him off and he just becomes that much more monstrous in his campaign in the second season to really like stick it to everybody who uh, ignored him. You know Uh, who didn't, you know, who didn't win rookie of the year? Zion Williamson. Correct. Yeah. You know who did Andrew Wiggins. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But Zion was injured and John Morant played like basically the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's, I, I really, if he doesn't win rookie of the year, which he probably won't because like the national media had, has enshrined that to LaMelo long ago, essentially that Anthony Edwards will in his own way, I think long-term prove them. If not wrong, cause LaMelo might just actually be great. Yeah. But he that might it's be. like that you want Anthony Edwards on your basketball team and he is a monster in a way that LaMelo maybe is not. Yeah. I, I will say that it's kind of weird with the LaMelo. Like I, I, I got really sick of the ball hype through, you know, the, the whole family thing or whatever. And I was not impressed with 
kind of what I understood about him coming into the draft, but like, wow, he, he does seem like he's going to be legitimately great. And I kind of yeah. hate this. It's this is sort of sniping that goes on in social media or whatever, where like you have to pick a camp and you have to be, you know, you have to be. And then you see like someone that's just like taking these shots at, I was like, how, how can't you see that Ant is the clear cut? And then you look at the person's bio and it's like, Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, <laughs> since day one. It's like, well, I'm very surprised you have this take. And just like, it, it's not, I wish it didn't, it's not that important. I wish it didn't have to be this sort of like sniping back and forth thing. Cause I'd like to just like appreciate the fact that to, to Lamelo's credit, I mean, he is, been playing winning basketball since day one and i don't think that stopped since he came back in and like i you know i guess because minnesota whatever if ant wins it it'll be kind of fun but to your point like it might be kind of cool if he doesn't because you know that motivates him and get some good quotes out of the unveiling of the news maybe (laughs) yeah exactly so yeah so basically we're both uh hyped up most by ant let me just say there's something kind of funny about like hot or cold the freak out and hype it up it sounds like sort of like after school special like during arsenio hall (laughs) (laughs) something really like cheesy and campy about those segment titles yes we'll work on them we'll work on them (laughs) no i like them the way they are (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, we're going to get to, uh, moving on, we're going to get to our new regular blind spot segments right after this spot from Toro. With our recent warmer weather comes rebirth and the growth of all living things. Unfortunately, that includes your lawn. Well, with the help of Minnesota's own Toro and their full line of lawn care equipment that no longer needed to be something to dread, Toro helps you make helps make yard care simple with the best lawn mowers and yard tools designed with innovative features that make yard cleanup easy and comfortable. Smart features, proven dependability. With riding lawn mowers, walk-behind mowers, walk-behind self-propelled push gas and electric lawn mowers, leaf blowers, trimmers, chainsaws, and string trimmers, plus a full line of battery and corded yard tools, garden equipment, and irrigation sprinklers, Toro has you covered from the first green shoots of the season through the hot Dry days of midsummer to leaf cleanup in the fall. And don't worry, we won't talk about snowblowers today. Toro, grab spring by the horns. All right. So now for our, our blind spots segment where we talk about uh, instances where people are missing the point entirely. Um, and it is forever our lot in life to cool the hot takes walk people back from the ledge so and i i worry that maybe i need to actually that you might be one of the people that's missing the point entirely josh and i might need to walk you back from from the edge okay (laughs) so if you call earlier when things were at their darkest you know people were unable to see the forest of the talent we had assembled for the trees of losses in the moment uh, we saw it coming here on this podcast. We're like, we we were like, yeah, all it's gonna take is like four wins in a row. You know that we were talking. This has been like painful to see. Is like people start talking about Bubble Phoenix, and like we were talking about Bubble Phoenix in January, mm-hmm. and we were like, yeah, just just let them get together. You know, because there were people that were ready to just 
like done with a franchise. These are like, you know, cat's been out for three weeks with COVID and just, you know, uh, just nothing's happening. And it's inefficient. <laughs> People are ready to like, <laughs> done with this team forever. And now everybody's at an eight or nine. Everybody's excited. And like, we're we're like two straight losses, but there's been enough tantalizing pictures that people are are going crazy. And I felt like it was kind of culminating last night with the rid- ridiculous hot takes. And you were seeing these things that were, they were driving me crazy about, like acting like you know, time for cat to step aside. You know, time for the ant is here, and, and like <laughs> just. I, Cat has been playing ridiculous this year, um, like he does every year on the offensive right. end. The idea to me that he needs to step aside on the offense, I get. We've spent most of our episode talking about Ant's ridiculous upside, but it's like it's a, it's a, it's a false choice in my opinion. And and as I said, it's pecking order of offense in my opinion was not what the problem was and why they lost last night and if cat is taking a look and he's not if if cat is taking a non totally contested shot from anywhere on the court it's the right basketball play <laughs> if cat has an open look it's the right basketball play if delo has an open look it's the right basketball play yeah and and i think it's possible for their entire career this might be wrong this might be way wrong but for their entire career it might well be the case that cat and delo are better peer shooters than ant he may eclipse both of them as a basketball player and he may end up being a better shooter than than delo but you know delo has a shot i mean He's had a couple bad shooting. Well, he didn't even have a bad shooting night last night. I think he was two of four from three. Yeah, let me check to see where D'Lo okay. ended up. Uh, he had last that one night. of eleven night that just. I, I feel like he is given so little rope by yes. this fan base, and it drives me nuts. Because like, <laughs> how soon you forget? How soon you forget? You know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, D'Lo last night he was. Six of 13 from the field, two of five from three point line, okay. and eight of eight from the free throw line. Okay. So 22, <laughs> points, on thir- 22 <laughs> points on 13 shots, four assists, sorry, four rebounds, 14 assists. But he did have those five turnovers. A lot of those yeah. happened in the first half. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I think this, I, the hot takes I was seeing about got to get Cat and D'Lo out of there. And let Ant go. You want to know why Ant has the opportunity to score? <laughs> you got Cat and D'Lo out there that, yeah. that you can't leave alone. You know, it's it's these things all it all interweaves and fits together. So I think people are missing the point. It's like don't don't be so ready to move on from these like really really competent offensive players we have. We need to see what's going to happen with the defense, but. Uh, that that was just too much last night. Some of the uh, post game reaction I was seeing. Yeah, I I'm maybe slightly more. I'm not sympathetic to the ridiculous hot takes of like get you know everybody step aside, uh, you know, cat and D. But you know there, I think this this team is still figuring out what like how do we close games. You know, like that's something that they're still trying to 
to figure out. And as Ant is around longer and they play together longer, they'll realize how to like, you know, you've got the cat D-Lo two-man game, but in some cases maybe the Ant, um, you know, where Anthony Edwards comes into that uh, becomes more prominent. And so, yeah, it's like maybe where people are missing the point is that we at least believe, or I know I believe that the future is quite bright <laughs> with the, this core of three players. And then you toss in uh, Jaden McDaniels as uh, a fourth individual uh, rising here. And if we can fill some gaps in the off season in terms of, you know, where <clears throat> in some cases, you know, Dan, you've been saying like, Oh gosh, you know, we just couldn't get any stops. It was like, well, when we did get a stop, we didn't secure the rebound. And that happened mm-hmm. against the Pelicans, and that happened uh, last night. And so there's we need some rebounding fiend that can take some of the pressure off a cat. And, you know, I – and that maybe is just like larger or uh, different presence than Vando. I don't know. For some reason, I feel like Vando could be that long term. Uh, but – you know, will he have a role in a closing lineup? Because closing team needs three things, Dan. You ready for these amazing I'm, three? I am ready. Three things. They need guys who can make shots. <laughs> they need guys who can get stops. And you need to get some rebounds. You have to secure the rebound, especially defensive rebounds, but opportunistic offensive rebounds. And, of course, these are things that win games at any time, right? Uh, yeah. But especially down the stretch when you really need to stop and you get one, but you don't secure the rebound, that's killer. So you need to find a way to um, secure that. Yeah. And some of that just, you think about winning basketball plays and that's sort of like, you know, we're having Sam Mitchell on the team. Like he's the sort of coach that, and I bet Finch is too, just Mm -hmm. that sort of old school that like you get cute with this, you get your guys that can hit this percentage from this spot on the court and, you know, this two man combination doing that. But then you, you get to that thing where it's like, what, what are those like winning basketball plays? And, and I think about the concerns I was having actually with Beasley and crunch time earlier in the year where just the decision-making was just atrocious. And, you know, we got the youngest team in the league. Um, so a lot of that may come, but, uh, it, it, you know, sometimes it's not even about, you know, like, do you have guy, a guy that gets rebounds, but do you have a guy that understands exactly what he needs to do for a rebound in this instance? Sometimes like the guy that gets 14 rebounds falling out of bed, who's the guy, um, played for Portland, used to play for Miami, like a, Yes. The guy that like gets you rebounds or whatever, but I don't know if he gets that rebound at a critical moment in a a game. And and sort of, sort of the distinction between a person that just sort of fills a role and a person that contributes winning basketball when it really counts, but to the point of the rebound and all that, I mean, I still, and I think you do are, are remain convinced that it would be really, it would really behoove this team to go after uh, a competent all around basketball, like a more of a, well, I don't know, traditional, but a, a tough power forward that like just sort of a, a big body that yes. we've not had. 
Um, you know, and, and that it, along the lines of a couple of those guys that we made a play for where it didn't quite happen during the season, but the, the idea that Rosas gets his guy mm-hmm. <laughs> eventually and, and the idea that we, you know, a lot of people are clamoring for the return of Beasley as yet another offensive option, but it is, I've been saying, I don't, you know, it's, it's lack of offense is not going to be what, what puts our ceiling on us in this team. And if he can, if he or Rubio or uh, a few other players on the team can be chips that are thrown in to get that piece. in, that might really be that thing that kind of knocks us up one more level. Cause we're, 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 I think what a lot of what you're talking about, we're missing some toughness, right? We're we're small. We are a small team. Where we're tough. They're not like McDaniels is tough, but he's not, He's yeah, he's small, and Kogi is tough, but he's not tall. Right, and and Vando's tough, but he's like skinny still, you know. Yeah, like yeah. It's, uh, so yeah, that's we need somebody who's just big. <laughs> we need a big person. <laughs> Dan, is it time for our Timberwolf power rankings? It Your is. Your Timberwolf yeah. power rankings. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So I don't know how to count this down based on the way you have laid it out this time. So I'm just going to turn it over to you. We just okay. Well, as you can say, like, so we're going to start with the four-way tie for second place. <laughs> All right. Yes. Yeah, so Dan has the four-way tie for second place. Dan, take it from here. Okay. Well, I don't think any one player on this team has really emerged, aside from one. Um, to just grab a, a, a top spot will really separate. And so what I ended up doing is making a four-way tie. I don't know if you call it a four-way tie for fifth or a four-way tie for second, mm-hmm. but, you know, Cat playing at his usual all-world offensive level, um, a little more questionable on defense lately. Um, D'Lo, who has been a really positive contributor, I think, since uh, coming back, but a couple dodgy things per game this last game maybe the turnovers previous game just shot was off mm-hmm. mcdaniels who continues to flash a lot of promising things but is it just me or like we see these really promising moments from mcdaniels but i guess it seemed for a number of weeks like he was sort of adding little wrinkles to his offensive game but it doesn't appear to me as though there's been like a really consistent growth on the offensive end mm-hmm. maybe some of that has to do with we should be thankful that he's a low usage guy and we've been adding these like between ant maybe demanding a little more of the workload and getting d and cat on the court at the same time there's just not the room for mcdaniels yeah i think to- it's you know it coincides with sort of d return and yeah it's like he does we don't need him to assert himself to quite the same degree yeah but it's, it's, you know, remains really exciting to th- think about McDaniel's future, but, you know, I'm not, it's hard to sort of perceive always the growth kind of from game to game. Um, and a Kogi did not play uh, a ton in this, in this, in the last couple of games, it seems maybe I'm remembering wrong, but he's had a good stretch. He's had a really good stretch. Um, and so I've got the the four of those tied for either two or five, depending on how you do it. The only slight omission that I would see is uh, Wancho not mm-hmm. making your. Well, and frankly, Vanderbilt's played some really 
he had a really solid game uh, just yesterday. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Well, you know, if it's a tie, I suppose you could just (laughs) – as long as I'm not stealing my – stealing a six-man if I throw Wancho and Vando in there too. Yeah, just throw Wancho and Vando in there as well on our tie for second. (laughs) So, for the sixth man, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go Oh, no, you didn't didn't give me my number one. Oh, Dan, geez, what am I doing here? I got all excited about the six man. Who's your number one in this week's, this episode's Timberwolf Power Rankings? Well, I'm going with Anthony Edwards, who is, if we could have foreseen before this year began how we would be feeling about him in May, we would not have cared what the record of this team was. He has eclipsed our hopes our greatest hopes you know um playing efficiently at incredibly high volume pretty efficiently at very high volume and it just like also just fun as hell as fun as, hell. as a personality yeah. <laughs> and like we just the franchise needs it the city needs it it's just everything is is uh roses where ant is concerned josh who you got for this week's sixth man? I think you'll like this, Dan, because my sixth man, my sixth thing is Anthony Edwards' confidence. Ah, so what made you uh, select this? Well, a couple of things. You know, just that swagger and confidence that he has for a 19-year-old rookie that we've seen all season that's relentless, and it's this happy confidence that's there. And then you, you put out that tweet uh, where you were – asking people if they could give one-eighth of Anthony Edwards' confidence to Jarrett Culver, would they do it? <laughs> and uh, most say no, but the last I checked it, it was like 59% would say no. And It's getting closer uh, than I expected are, is, it to be. Yeah. Are, it, it, are, are, is Europe getting ready to chime in here? Is that what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Europe loves <laughs> Anthony Edwards' confidence. So where does this stand? Where do the results of this stand now? 58.6 say no, do not give one eighth of his confidence to Jarrett Culver and 41.4% say yes, give one eighth of his confidence away. Yeah. And I, I, I voted yes on this one. I'm curious, which way did you fall? I, you know, I, I, I think I assumed going into it that I was like, no, like Jarrett Culver is like needs more than that would give him. And like, just let's not do anything that would throw Ant off his trajectory. But the more I think about it, Ant has its end to spare. (laughs) That, that one eighth to spare is him not hitting his elbow on the rim for the dunk. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's just his wrist that uh, hits the, the rim. I think it's, yeah, so I, I think we got to give it to to Culver and see what that does for the future of the franchise. Is it is uh, Robin? No, not Robin. Is Brooke Lopez running after Jarrett Culver after his throwdown last year? Was that the beginning of the end for Culver? He was like, "Oh, I'm never going to do that again." <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried that, and if Brooke knew that he had done that, he's like, he's actually a great guy. Would he be like, oh, I need to write Culver a letter and send him a flower? Because <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to ruin his career. But you know, I Jared Culver started the season pretty good this year, and, and then he just fell off. Pre-season, pretty good. 
Yeah, and then he just fell off the the game. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what to do there. Heartbreaking tale. I don't know either. Yeah. We'll get to that also in the next members only podcast. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, how are we doing on time? Uh, yeah, been good, Dan. You know, Dan, I, I, I got to say, you you get caught up over this hour thing. You know, this is the internet. There is no penalty for going uh, <laughs> over over an hour, right? This like, is my it's, other uh, podcast where they're like really getting nervous if it goes a little longer. I'm like, uh, you guys of all people, because like you don't even expect anyone to listen to this one. Yeah, Why this is care? this is. You know, it's like writing a long article on the internet. It's like they're not printing paper here, Dan. We're not taking up, uh, you know, vinyl record space. We don't have to fit it on the vinyl record. You know, like our, our producer's behind the window. He's giving me the signal. It's like Joe Rogan's doing three-hour podcast, Dan. Yeah. And the Knowledge Project from Farnham Street regularly goes an hour and a half and two, and so we can just do whatever we want. And based on what we know, Timberwolves fans, they can't get enough. So they're like, <laughs> you know, they don't wait, want it to that's, a, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. This is the first day this has happened. I am recording a first team all nonsense with the yeah. guys at uh, five o'clock. So I got to turn around and do this <laughs> editing such as it is quick. But yeah, very rare that we get together and do an episode. But it seemed like Boston is off the rails. Indiana is really off the rails except now. Except for they won a game by 60 points. But mm. then aside from that, they're like losing to everybody. It's really weird. And Boston, yeah, those two teams, they're both like sadder than we are. They're both going to make the playoffs or at least a play in. But uh, it's going to be a weird episode because it's so used to it's It's always like the three bears, but it's, you know, the BIM teams where Boston is like Paul Bear, where everything is you know great, great, and the Tim Rules are like Mama Bear, where things are like only losses, and then and then um, Pacers are like Baby Bear, where it's just right, <laughs> five hundred ball, but not now. Anyway, that will do it for our twelfth episode of Timberwolves Tip to Tap. It's almost exclusively me uh, tweeting out, so don't blame Josh. It's me <laughs> tweeting out from the handle tip to tap, spell out the word two. Uh, but feel free to engage. I mean, we could, people want to hear from Josh more. Uh, <laughs> that's not what, feel free to. They don't. They don't. <laughs> feel free to engage me there uh, to talk Timberwolf basketball. I, I won't let a, an argument go on for longer than three tweets, though. It's just not worth it for any of us. Yeah, well, thank everybody for tuning in. If you can think of anyone else who wants to join us for Timberwolf and Minnesota Craft Beer Talk, please let them know about us. For Timberwolves Tip to Tap, I am Josh Dye. And I'm Dan Hilton. Relax, man. It's just sports. Chill out. Take a sip of Fair State Brewing Cooperative Beer, which has been chilling in a cooler somewhere or in your fridge. Be present in the moment. Grab spring by the horns. And your Toro lawnmower. And remember that there are later times for good or for ill. Fretting and ranting about them will not matter in the end. Go Wolves! Ow. Ow.